this setup, by the way, is like significantly easier than like <laughs> than using one mic than using one I mic. Know. Like I feel like I don't have to be like huddled Punch. next to you. Yeah, we're my punched. sweat dripping off and glistening because it's hot as hell. Yeah, I know. Okay, so before I forget. I go first, then you do, and then you save the movie you haven't seen. Because yeah, because last, last time, time you decided to like try to shoot it over to me, I, like when even though I had seen, seen the it, movie and you hadn't, and I hadn't, yeah, it's your podcast, right? I know. We're, we're making sure. Hey everyone, welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast where I force my friends to watch a movie they've never seen, or they gently ask me and I watch them up. Whoa! <laughs> I said it all. I think wrong. this house is con- is like cursing you. I've haven't done this in a while, so let's start this over. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to season three of Never Seen It, a podcast where I force my friends to watch a movie they've never seen, or they gently ask me to watch a movie that I've never seen. I'm Lauren, and I'm currently wearing a tie dye shirt that Alex made me, sweatpants, and sandals because I'm on vacation. Are you enjoying that vacation right now, by the way? Very much so. I imagine you work really freaking hard, so I think vacation's uh, good for you. Uh, and I'm Stephen, by the way, but again, <laughs> I like coming on here a lot. And and my fact, I guess, relative to the story is that uh, I haven't written a complete script since 2015. <laughs> it is 2021. <laughs> Maybe this will help you find the ending. Yeah. We'll see. I have the ending, I yes. think. Yes, okay. And speaking of movies, what we're watching today... Is stranger than fiction. So, okay, I've I've been dying to ask you this since we since I, I guess somehow I decided to do this movie. How did that happen? We, you said I saw it on TV or something. They I were think, showing it. Oh, I think when we were doing our last podcast together, it popped up as like you might be interested in, which seems to be a thing oh, with us. I've noticed that we've done okay. it like three times. Yeah, because you know what? When I looked it up on IMDb, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty popped up as things you might also like. And you've been trying to get me to watch that <laughs> one for like the entire length of this podcast. That's a beautiful movie. Another beautiful movie. I, because I, I, I guess it's kind of similar. But I okay. So something I've been kind of curious is. These past few days leading up to us recording this podcast is what are your thoughts on Will Ferrell? Do you like him? I feel like you don't like him. That's a good question, actually, because I actually like a lot of his earlier comedies. Like, Uh I don't hate Will Ferrell. Like, I think he's okay in what he does. Uh I think he's a better supporting guy than a lead guy is usually my philosophy. Like, I get it. He's. He has all the mentality of a lead guy. But yeah. I like him in his smaller roles. Like, I love him in Wedding Crashers because he's... Oh, God. So every... those little, like, kind of like cameos. Of right. Like, I like his cameos because he's, like, a lot more... Like, you can deal with him more. And <laughs> But to be fair, I also haven't seen him in a serious role in okay. any way, shape, or form. Like, I love Anchorman. I will openly admit I think Anchorman's freaking hilarious. Yeah. If you don't like Anchorman, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love his small role, like, in the Lego movie because that was a cool little, like, cameo part on oh, his yeah. end. Oh, yeah. He did come out at the end, yeah. Yeah, he has, a, I'm not going to lie, he has some charming, like, sincerity, like, in terms of family movies at times. Mm-hmm. So I think this kind of works for him. Like, I I don't mind Talladega Nights. It's funny. But, yeah. like, that's not on my list of movies I watch every day. If okay. that tells you anything. <laughs> Random thing. I hate Step Brothers. I'm sorry. Aww. Get over it. I cannot. Like, I think it's okay. I think, I, I think hate's a strong word. I think it's okay. Come on, boats and hoes. Okay, wait. <laughs> Crazy to think about, but 
Um, he, you know, think of this. Talladega Nights came out the same year movie this did. Really? Like 2006. Okay, so these whoa, two movies came out the same that year. That does not feel like, maybe it's, whoa, I, that's kind of like mind-blowing to it a certain is. degree. I, I was kind of trying to figure out where on his spectrum, because when you look at his IMDb, he's like been in 126 fucking things. That's a lot of movies. It's that's a, a lot. lot of filming on his end. So I'll give him much credit for that. That's pretty amazing. Like, it's insane how... His career, you know, obviously probably, I need to really know more about Will Ferrell. I really don't. But I guess a lot of people that I talk to, it's like they don't, they find him annoying. And I was curious if you, if you were like kind of no, the same thing. No, I have a soft spot for him in some movies. Like it's not the best, but I really like the other guys for some reason. Cause like oh God, that reminds yeah. me of my brother and I for some, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a random movie, Like dude. the part where he like throws the cup out the car mm-hmm. on that movie. Like whenever he's like, hey, I bought you this cup. And it's, it's like a. What was the what does it say on the cup? It's um oh it's female body inspector instead of instead oh of FBI. Yeah, okay. And he grabs it and he just throws it out the car. Is uh-huh. that that's literally my brother and I when I was like eight trying to talk to my brother. So mm-hmm. it's like the perfect movie in that regard. Oh yeah. Man, Eric talks about that movie. So does his dad. That that I've only seen that movie like a handful of times, not e- not really even. Yeah. But Michael Keaton does it for me in that movie. <laughs> of course he does. Oh uh, yeah. But no, I was curious because like the same thing, like are you an Elf fan? Is that I something? I actually love Elf. That's but nice. Okay. But, but it has Zoe Deschanel, so it's like natural. So that's why. But no, okay. also I love John Favreau. Like, in, like, I, like, Me I, too. Like I have to show you Swingers because like for some reason you've escaped dying. that movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's coming soon. Yeah, I've been dying to see that movie like for reals. Um, yeah, I think I feel like I know a lot of people that don't like either love that movie or hate that movie. And uh, I know that's definitely one of his biggest movies of all time. But I guess I—I I mean, I grew up watching him on SNL. That's right, when same I, here. yeah, that's when I was watching. I've always loved the the, the cheerleader bit where they they, <laughs> they spell, yeah, words you can't see on TV. Oh God! And then I also love the hot tub. I think it's him and Rachel Dratch, right? I think so. Yeah, they're so fucking great together. Like, the, there's just some, and then of course I grew up with Night at the Roxbury. You know what I mean? See, as a kid, like I can see why people hate that movie, and I don't even think it's that great. But I will openly admit, when I was a child, I watched that movie on repeat, like so a you, lot. Me too. Like, could I have recorded it? Because you know, <laughs> recording things was a thing. Yeah. And I definitely watched that movie probably more times than I can count <laughs> at such a young age, which might be problematic. That's that's like I oh same. I had it on repeat mainly because like movies were really a great way to kind of like interact with my dad. My dad worked all the time, but loved stupid comedy movies, and I that can't was hear one you of them. Coming from the ground, <laughs> oh god, he's so good in that movie, and he's like surprisingly good looking. Like he is when he compliments him. I'm like, yeah, he's really nice. And him and Molly Shannon, dude. Oh my God, they're great! Oh, and he's also in Superstar, he's a superstar. too, which yeah. is another one I openly watched a lot, even though it's not like a great movie in the slightest. But they're, these are not good movies. These are not, but, but like I don't know. There's nostalgia attached there to them. Is. Like when you were younger, it's like that. There's a gift to '90s movies in general, mm-hmm. where they just seem a little more etched in our brains. Because I guess <laughs> we were children, so it's like there's bad '80s movies that people say are great. They're not good at all. So it happens, right? Yeah. And you can't really, like, a lot of people haven't attempted the whole, like, hey, let's make an SNL, like, skit into a movie. And some of those were kind of successful and memorable. Can't really do that after MacGruber. But, you know, that's what that's what happens. But tell me a little bit about, um, you mentioned that you literally don't know anything. You didn't know anything about I it. I know virtually i knew let me rephrase that. i knew virtually nothing about this film coming into it i remember seeing the trailer to it probably in 2006 
Probably went mm-hmm. to go see Talladega Nights or something with him in it. Or maybe I, I know for sure commercial. I saw that one. I yeah. saw that one in theaters. Uh-huh. Uh, and so here's the thing. I remember the trailer, but I don't remember the trailer at all. I literally remember almost nothing about this movie. I just went, what is this even about? And I remember there being a, like him being a fictional character. Mm-hmm. I, I was assumed it was some kind of Truman show, which, by the way, I've only seen the movie like one time and I have like no memory of it. Which movie? Truman Show. No. Yeah. I've seen it. Oh my god! But like, I don't remember it. You I, need to watch. I, it was, again. I was I was really young when it, whenever I watched it, so it's it's been a long time. Man, I have to watch that movie at least every year. It's crazy. It, it's been long enough to where a podcast on it is lo- is logical. I mean, I think so because there's been certainly situations where it's like I've only seen it once, don't really remember it. I'd still want to do it. Th- anyway. That's how I feel about that one. Honestly, I've been dying for Rami to watch that movie just for the production like whole idea right, of right, it, of which course. is brilliant, and I think he would honestly uh, really be interested in that. Yeah, I, that's crazy that you didn't know. I remember seeing like TV spots, like commercials about this movie, and you think, "Oh, Will Ferrell, haha, funny." He thinks uh, he's crazy because he hear a voice. That's literally what kind of I, I grasped from it. I didn't see it in theaters. I was kind of trying to kind of go back and remember. This was probably definitely a movie I rented at the Blockbuster here. I love the. I used to love the Blockbuster here because yeah. it was like the first place I was able to walk to by myself as a child. Because <gasps> it's so close to your house. It's literally <laughs> so close to my house, and what well, was right. Yeah. And, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of waking up early Saturday morning, like at eight mm-hmm. thirty when they open, nice. and getting a, a a video game to play for the weekend mm-hmm. and a movie and popcorn, and then like buying a toy. They used to have the toy section in the back yes. that was always like pop culture heavy. So. Man. I remember as a kid, the coolest idea to me was working at Blockbuster when I was in high school. Same. I always wanted to. I wanted to have like my own section of good movies. Like it was. Oh man, like in Seinfeld? Yes. Jeans like, picks? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's all I wanted with my life at that point. And it never happened. Fuck, that sounds better than the job I have to have <laughs> No, but like now it's a pet It's a pet store. It's Pet Sense. That's what Blockbuster has become now. But Which I, I now frequent. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, I can imagine you like your parents like, Making you walk to the store to return the movie. So they were never late. Yes. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They were not late. Not often. <laughs> yeah. So about this time, I'm trying to think of the time. So 2006 must have came out DVD, whatever, you know, 2007. So that's when I first moved here. When I first moved here, I didn't know anybody and I was in the 10th grade. So obviously what I did a lot was go to the movies. I worked at the movies. And then I also- you worked at the movies here? I was in the, oh yeah, I did concession. I have no memory of that Dude, whatsoever. I probably gave you popcorn. I lived there like <laughs> okay. for weeks and it's a, not a good looking theater in the slightest. No, but. it's not. It was it was an okay place. I worked there for four months. It was a good first job. And uh, I worked there when Spider-Man 3 came out. Just FYI. I went to go see that there. Okay, so I, everyone went to see it that there, dude. It's a terrible movie. Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember how we were really prepared for it to be crazy, and it wasn't that bad. Um, but I remember um, I, I must have rented this movie for sure because I, I liked the idea of the story. And then I feel like my sister and I would watch it on repeat and repeat over and over. For some reason, I can rewatch this movie a lot. And that's something I'm kind of proud of that I showed Eric this movie and he really enjoyed it because he is also while you you and I kind of tend to write more like screenplays and stuff. Eric writes novels. All oh, right. Here short stories. Yes. I've read, I, mm-hmm. I have a folder on my laptop called Eric shorts. Yes. He so has a lot I, of them. Yeah. I need to get some of them back because I didn't yeah. 
I used to have them on one big email file like years ago. Mm-hmm. I should ask them again. But Yeah, I but, still have it on my email too. But I have so. like two or three of them that I still keep on my laptop at all times. Yeah. So there's, he has short stories. He also has a novel he's been writing for a really long time. Yeah. And um, so I, I knew he'd appreciate it. And Cordis, he loved it, which I was happy about. And then he ended up showing his mom. And I kind of felt proud because his mom really, really likes Spivy. And she claims it's one of those movies that when it's on, she watches it. That's I'm like, cool. Hell That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's a win. That's <laughs> it's a win a in win. any book. It feels good when when people kind of get that reaction from a recommendation, I guess. So I guess I'm going to ask you first, before we go into what parents need to know, I, want, I do want to ask, did you like this movie? I thought it was a really, really good movie, if that tells you anything. <laughs> you like, used two reallys. No, I liked it a lot. Like, don't feel like I did. Like, I was very okay. uh, stone-faced per usual while watching it. I laughed right. a few times, but mm-hmm. even after my notes, like, I was like, I'm going to purposely play up that maybe I didn't like it <laughs> and just act like the movie ended. Yeah. Not that no pressure. I feel like any guest that comes on or whatever, you don't have to like this movie. If you don't like this movie, that's actually kind of cool because I'm interested in why you don't right, like it. Right, of course. No, I, but I actually really thought this was great and Yay. I can give uh-huh. plenty of reasons why. Okay, great, which we could definitely talk about. I'm going to go ahead and say what parents need to know about Stranger Than Fiction on commonsensemedia.org. So parents need to know that Stranger Than Fiction is a 2006 dramedy Interesting choice of words. One of my favorite um, <laughs> genres, actually. Seriously, yeah. In which Will Ferrell plays a straight-laced IRS agent who starts to realize that his life is being narrated by a novelist suffering from writer's block. When the lead character first meets a woman, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I need to ask you about later, whose business has been um, assigned to audit, the narrator goes into the beginnings of a sexual fantasy he he's having about her that gets interrupted when the woman gets angry because he's staring at her breasts. Hmm. It's not what she says. <laughs> it's not what she says. <laughs> it's tits. So two characters are shown passionately kissing on a living room couch, and then the next scene shows them in bed after sex. Occasional strong profanity includes fuck. The novelist is a chain smoker. She's also obsessed with death. Her novels always end with characters dying, and she's shown researching suicide by standing on the ledge of a tall building and imagining herself driving off a bridge to avoid hitting a boy on a bicycle. A character is shown getting hit by a bus and is presumed dead. Overall, the movie explores the idea of living life to the fullest and not putting off the activities you've always wanted to try. I like that. That was a nice little description. Not too heavy on the... It's like two, I guess, two stars on positive messages. Really? Two on sex. Two out of five, by the way. Three on violence. Okay. Yeah. I can kind of see the violence, but I'm not like not sold on that entirely. Yeah. I know. I was going to ask you, because I, I mean, pretty much the main reason I wanted you to see this movie was because of the whole writer's aspect of it. And it's also a great story. And as writers, you know, we obviously kind of go through different, um, like, I mean, I've had stories in my head forever. Some of them not written Same. down, you know, but then you kind of struggle with how is it going to end. And so... I hate endings <laughs> so much. It is the hardest part of a movie to write. Right. Oh, definitely. I can imagine. Um, definitely want to have the discussion on the ending of this movie and yeah, what you for thought. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I guess um, so. I guess what did you think of the whole plot and everything? That is there something that really stood out to you about this movie and that you kind of related with in a way? Uh, a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the concept of just developing 
the main character. I was wondering the whole time, is it going to like cross over into reality at some point? Mm-hmm. I, I could kind of tell that was coming, but like I wasn't too sure. Uh, I I love, love the transition sequences between uh, Harold's reality and Karen mm-hmm. Eiffel's reality. So oh, that, that yeah. I, I love that because mm-hmm. it, it just created such a interesting conflict. Plus also as a writer, I think one thing I appreciate was the idea of talking to your characters. <gasps> yeah. Because you do that. That's a pretty common part of writing. Like you don't mm-hmm. physically talk to somebody who comes and talks to you, but you definitely have these vivid images of who they're supposed to be yeah. and how they're supposed to go. And you know, like real quickly, if your character is doing an action that you didn't like mean for them to write, like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have written that. It doesn't sound like them. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it's just part of that writing process of getting yeah. to know who your characters are. Like you, you map out your characters live essentially. Mm-hmm. And, it's interesting because he describes her being a third person omniscient, which she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's my English teacher nerd. Yeah. Um, and I think most importantly when it comes to doing that is that it also develops like the idea of a writer being a god basically in their mm-hmm. character's story. Oh, right. Which mm-hmm. has always been kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. And and the fact that he just has to learn to live with decisions yeah. that were made for him predetermined. It's very much also a fate conversation in there as well, mm-hmm. which goes into another conversation about philosophy even more so. Yeah. Damn, this movie really does bring a lot, a lot of points. I, I also loved parts of the dialogue when it's like, oh, I'm here to help you kill him. Like, I, I loved that. It kind of had that feeling of like assassination to someone who is they don't think is real, but is actually a real person, if that makes sense. I will openly admit the dialogue was brilliant in this movie okay uh, as as a nerd of all things books and literature right i just couldn't help but smile and lightly laugh at pretty much every single literary reference made within the movie itself and even just the the way she spoke you can tell she was playing an author in this movie there's lots of like strong vocabulary it was Mm -hmm. not your average like low-end film like these people had a lot of intelligence behind them him being an irs agent and her being a multi-time writer like an author so yeah like she speaks like an author or it's like edification reused uh just general concepts that are like used by people of a higher education so i thought that was really neat mm-hmm. mostly because i tend to write my characters in my particular movies as smart as i possibly can without not being realistic of course mm-hmm. mine tend to be teenagers um, right yeah but like i'm a big fan of having intelligent characters inside of a movie so mm-hmm. this felt really cool to see that even the, even professor hilbert like had a yeah. lot of intellectual dialogue thrown into the piece. Yeah. Um, I did love these, and I'm not going to talk about favorite scenes yet because they were still way too off from that, mm-hmm. but I definitely did love like when they broke through the questions and like not so much the questions per se, but how they represent various parts of literature. Like, oh, well, this well, it's not Greek, obviously. Oh, like, yeah. Like going through all the, like. He's like, well, you basically took like half of this shit off. Yeah, you, like- took, <laughs> yeah, you, you, took, up, you took up Greek tragedy. Uh, you took off romantics and you're definitely not, um, King Hamlet himself. So yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a plot. <laughs> that's crazy. I was looking up who wrote the movie because it's, again, it's just so brilliantly written. The dialogue is great. I just, it's so fantastic. And especially, I think I literally took one note. I, it's ridiculous. I've seen this movie quite a few times. Um, and one note I really just made sure to remember is like how beautifully, like this movie is like very beautifully written in the sense that it kind of brings a book to life. Which, like, you know, obviously, there's a lot of books that are made into movies, right? Right, of course. You're not going to hear the narration of that. 
And I think what makes the movie brilliant is like you can hear her descriptions of his watch, feeling the 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 air in its face or his leather shoes. Like it's kind of nice that so you can kind of hear those terms that you don't, you know, normally you know here in movies because you see it or they do it in different ways but the narration was a nice touch that it sounded like a book and it's so it was just really cool to hear it yeah it felt like more so a movie about the love of like writing and novel yeah than anything else and i think that's obviously the intention behind it i mean stranger Mm -hmm. than fiction is a great title to describe everything within it as well yeah there was a couple things on imd facts like about about stranger than fiction i think just a quote from where it was from but i do want to bring up the writer of the of the film and it's zach helm and he has not written a whole lot he really hasn't this was like i guess it kind of looks like the first major script that he wrote he also wrote yeah seriously and he also wrote mr megorium's wonder emporium is it sad that I only know that mo- that movie's title from the movie I Love You, Man? Uh, it is sad. I actually have seen that movie a lot of times, and it's kind of cute. I've heard it's a good movie. I it's just, a nice I, movie. I just remember the part I Love You, Man. Like, no, nah, man, I can't go hang out tonight. Uh, we're watching a movie, <laughs> yeah. but uh, Mr. McGorium's Wonder Emporium. Yeah. Again with the with the Mr. McGorium? Again? Yeah. Yeah, again? Yeah, it's great. He also wrote another one that has like eight stars on here called Good Canary. That's probably um, um, interesting. Why is John Malkovich's name all big on it? Hmm. Well, yeah. So obviously he's got some talent because, I mean, it's kind of crazy that this was kind of his first big, big thing. Yeah. He straddled a fine line, honestly, in this movie of going back and forth and how he was going to push the plot forward. Like, I think it's what I liked about this movie the most. Like, you talked uh-huh. about elements of the book. Like, you literally saw breathing elements of a book in yeah. this particular movie. Like, there's exposition. Mm-hmm. there's moments to sit down where the characters interact and you go on the journey of the character like you mm-hmm. follow the steps of how you're supposed to write a story in here how yeah. they're developed mm-hmm. there's a climax there's a resolution like the whole mm-hmm. sequence of what i'm supposed to teach on how to write stru- story structure is literally mm-hmm. present in this piece that's crazy and it's also it's won a couple of awards it won like best screen uh best original screenplay at the national board review uh, Writers Guild of America won um, also Best Original Screenplay. It's it was really recognized for its for its writing, and I mean I can see why it was really great. It's one of those movies where like it's one of those oh, I, bet, I bet you I can write that. That's not hard to write, and then like you get there, and you're just like I can't write this at all. Seriously, it seems fucking hard, dude. Like you, you think you could come up because the plot seems kind of simple enough, and but executing it is probably extremely difficult. It reminded me of this. Uh it's funny because mariah uh okay but i uh, i used to host creative writing club at the school i work at uh-huh. uh and she was in at the club at the time and she had this really cool idea for a movie well, it was actually for a book oh okay and and the book was maybe about the author's relationship with his novel mm-hmm. and uh the novel is the main character mm-hmm. uh and the novel is a woman and she's in love with the author okay uh and it's like the she recognized all his moodiness and all his problems and how he, when he, whenever they're together, it's perfect, but mm-hmm. it's, they're not always together because he works in other things. And then mm-hmm. the relationship they have as he tries to complete the actual novel itself. Whoa. Did she write this? She wrote like an intro to it. Oh, man. That's like an interesting plot. One of the plot points was that he was going to start writing something else when the relationship gets rocky between the both of them because he can't write it because he gets writer's block. Ooh, that's interesting. There, Okay, so there's a movie out there that has kind of the similar, like, I guess characteristics in the sense of, like, a relationship with the story or the character. And it ha- it's a movie with Paul Dano. 
Who I love. Who's a really good actor, by the way. Oh, seriously. Like, actually, just very talented in what he does. So I'm going to just do a quick thing. Well, why are you doing that? Like, I actually got flashbacks to a lot of movies. Watching this. Obviously, there's a Truman Show conversation, like, with the whole reality idea. Right, that, right. That's pretty much I saw there. Um, have you ever seen the Adjustment Bureau before? You know what's crazy? Eric had it on, like, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And he was like, oh, man, you should see this movie. And I wonder if Steve, I think he even, he was like, I wonder if Steven has heard of this movie because he had liked this movie. I saw it three times in theaters, okay? <laughs> oh, shut yeah, up. Like, I'm not going to say it's like the best movie ever made. No, but, like, but. man, there are some plot points that are worth having a podcast about yeah, in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Damn. And, you know, I watched a little bit of it. It's fucking crazy. I basically watched the main point of it, like, you know. There's a whole like conspiracy, like he's not like it's not real, right? Yeah, and it was great, and I'm like, and it basically it's kind of a like a tragic love story because you're keeping the I'd fate. Love, it's like a thriller. It's like a yeah. thriller love story, which is so weird. I always assumed it was an action movie, legit. Yeah. I just yeah, assumed. No, not at all. I mean, there's some good scenes in that movie that are worth uh, breaking down one day. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So this movie has come into mind when I guess think of this one and it's called Ruby Sparks. I have never seen it. I've heard of this, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I I mean, I had a Paul Dano phase, of course. I think Jessica Gordon Levitt's in there for like a scene or two. Possibly. Um it's basically Zoe Kazan who's who kind of got a little bit big in the mid 2000s and then Paul Dano, um Annette Bening and has Antonio Banderas. Chris Messina, kind of a good like indie cast. Yeah, and it's, especially for that time. Yeah, so it's a novelist struggling with writer's block, finds romance in the most unusual way by creating a female character he thinks will love him, then willing to turn into existence. So she's like this char- like a, a character, he falls in love with her, and I don't even think she's real. Don't describe my life. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it looks like one of those movies that I think you would like this movie. You need to check this movie her out. her name Ruby Sparks? It's kind of like such... <laughs> it's so that's, a, that's not a name you would expect with literature no but it's it's a kind of it's a nice name and it's paul dano and he's great but okay th- that was i was getting kind Quit of yeah i know i was getting vibes though like i was like man i i'm interested in that movie kind of bringing you back to kind of this kind of type of film where you're bringing that kind of reality like kind of taking it out it's kind of interesting and I guess like you can't really think too much into it. You can't really think how is it possible that he hears her or how has this happened? What kind of magical thing is going on? Like I don't think it's really anything. It's a book. Like it's a movie, but it's a book. Yeah. And that's stuff you shouldn't question. Like how would a narrator in a book know what the character's going through Mm -hmm. because it's a book and narration. (laughs) Like it can't go any other way. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And mm-hmm. I, I think that something you said that's not really in film too often because mm-hmm. it's like a cliche or it's problematic. It used to be. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying it's not problematic, but I think the method it was used here mm-hmm. is really smart because it really helped push the plot forward. Like literally plot was pushed forward because of narration. Like that yeah. was a discussion point in the actual movie. Yeah, so there's yeah. a very meta sense of humor here mm-hmm. as well as like a meta conversation in general. So I think it adds to the idea of using that narration in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I guess we can kind of, I don't want to go into scenes. Maybe that can be the last category. So let's kind of talk about characters because I'm really curious what you thought of Maggie Gyllenhaal. Have you told me you don't like her? Uh, I know Eric doesn't. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. I know he can't stand her, which I don't understand. Like, she's kind of great. She really is. There's a lot of movies I really, really like her in, and this is one of them. Um, I think she is 
pretty solid actually with the stuff that she's given in films mm-hmm. i mean i have nothing against her in donnie darko when she plays his sister mm-hmm. i quote that movie all the time mm-hmm. uh i i like her acting in the dark knight i hate rachel in the dark knight but okay. i don't blame her for that that is acting that's her job <laughs> yes yeah um and i thought she was honestly a really solid indie movie love interest in here right she was she was kind of impulsive and a little crazy mm-hmm. and i think that's the perfect conversation for wolf Arrow's character for yeah for harold since he's so like straight laced to the point doesn't do anything off the kilter so like he's just off kilter, yeah. not off the- that really boring apartment of his well, god con- it was so I think plain he, he himself represents a sense of like america as a as a general population for the workforce just like yeah. you wake up and you do the same thing every single day and nothing changes mm-hmm. like ever and before you know it 10 years will go by in your life yeah that's crazy to think about i've had that thought myself like mm-hmm. way back when i first started teaching like six years ago now mm-hmm. we're like i was like man is this going to be the rest of my life forever because mm-hmm. like that's lightly depressing yeah i know it is I guess it can kind of take control sometimes. Right. Like having that. It's a sense of structure and comfort because mm-hmm. it's it's something you know how to do every single day. So I think that's why we kind of fall into those. It's like when you're a kid, you, you mm-hmm. learn to hate school because you have to go to school every day. <laughs> that's so weird to think about. I like how even, you know, with Dustin Hoffman's character, it's like, what do Americans want? They just don't want to work. Right. No. And, and yeah. they make that a point because like, yeah, yeah. It, it's, we don't. <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're inherently lazy. There's my word again. Lazy mm-hmm. culture. Yeah, that's it's crazy to think about. Okay, so I guess characters. Um, she is great. I really liked her, and uh, the pairing was good. Like the chemistry was actually really good between him and. Genuinely surprised how good the chemistry was. Their what? their snippy dialogue is like. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Love oh, it's it. nice. Right? I, I I I have so much love for dialogue like that. So mm-hmm. that's the stuff I wish I could write. Mm-hmm. Like the back and forth with them was really good. And I also loved her story of how she became a baker. Yeah, I actually have the whole story written down. Oh, I you thought did? it was actually really solid. Yeah. Like it was a good development of her character. Also showcased like why she is the way she is mm-hmm. to a high degree. Like she's a very caring individual and there's nothing about her that's truly, what's the word I'm looking for here? Mm-hmm. Um, like rude by nature. Right. She's just a person and she's a rebel. Mm-hmm. against the system because the system didn't like her so she fights back <laughs> yeah i also loved at the end how she was like fine i'll make it a charitable donation so i won't go to jail it's kind of interesting i was i don't know that was kind of cool to see how much she hated it and just kind of was so against it um which is the complete opposite yeah, well, you know, and as someone who's like kind of like square and straight laced himself yeah i appreciated her spontaneity a lot because yeah. we just finished talking about that like i know like yeah. two hours ago three Seriously. hours ago now yeah on how much i appreciate that quality in people because mm-hmm. it's like let's go do something yeah i know she has that even the whole like oh that guitar is like traded for a wedding cake she's so like laid back and it's and kind of obviously has to live oppositely than he does. Yeah, you know? and, she, and she brings out like the characteristics of him more. She highlights yeah. him almost mm-hmm. like to a certain degree a foil of some sort, which is a literary term of two opposite characters who bring out the best in one <laughs> oh, another wow. in various ways. Yeah. So it's almost like a friend foil at that point. Wouldn't be a mm-hmm. villain one, though you do often see villains as a foil. Um, look at me. 
stretching what I know about education yeah. here. Speaking of literary theories, let's talk about Dustin Hoffman. I wonder. I was curious if he was going to be your favorite character. Uh, he's one of them for sure. Okay. Like his general like disposition about everything and like how everything has to be a conversation about English was definitely like mm-hmm. up my up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you have taken a class on Little Did He Know? Yeah, probably. I took a class <laughs> on monsters literature. So, uh-huh. and and by the way, he dropped Frankenstein and his Bills of Monsters, which is my favorite book of all time. So, uh-huh. shout out to Mary Shelley, who's been dead for a long time. But thank you for 1818's masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, I. He's definitely one kind of random to come in, but every time like I didn't expect it. That, you I didn't, didn't. I didn't expect him. I didn't know he was in the movie. Oh, that's great. Oh, that makes it even better because I I kind of look every time I watch it, I look forward to when he comes out because he's so like. I don't know if you've noticed how kind of sloppy he is at the same time. Yeah. With the coffee, with the with the, him picking his teeth at the locker, barefoot in his office. He's so chill. I just kind of like that. He has some good lines like candor is important. It, it, candor is paramount. Like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of like, stop. Like <laughs> I like this dialogue. Um, uh-huh. And just the way he tries to, he, he takes him completely serious, which I mean, all teachers are crazy to a certain degree. So mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, and he never treats him like he's an idiot. It's just like, okay, yeah. I, I think I think I understand. I think you're actually telling the truth. I have no doubt you're hearing it. And that's just such a, when you're so deeply ingrained in the theory of something like that, mm-hmm. you, you've probably seen some stuff. So it makes sense for his character to be so open-minded to the idea that this man could be hearing a narration, especially because it's like, are books real? Yeah. Are the other things we love real? Like what other books in this universe are still real? Mm-hmm. Kind of lucky that he ended up with him, right? I mean. Right. Yeah. He ends up making not just a connection for him, like figuring out the points of where to go and how to live it, but also like develop their relationship and eventually even his like small getting to know uh, Karen mm-hmm. Eiffel, which plays later in the movie as well. Yeah. What did you think of Emma Thompson's character as an author, struggling? Um, I, I, as uh, as an author, I thought she was fine. As a character, I think she's absolutely nuts. Like, oh, seriously? Like, there's a light pretentiousness to her, mm-hmm. and, which is like, I guess, prevalent. And I'm not an author. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how to but write. But as a book. someone maybe as successful as her, right? Yeah, and but mm-hmm. you know, they they do say that some of the best ones are a little bit. Uh, there's something out there about them. They're okay. Yeah, a screw is loose, or mm-hmm. they're a little they're a little strange. And she is pretty strange. Like she's very fond of the idea of not death but experiencing how it's supposed to go mm-hmm. and i'm not saying it's a problem uh but like the over the over visualization of it all that she does like three times in this that's lightly concerning from a mental health standpoint most likely <laughs> um uh-huh. but she herself is very intelligent it's very mm-hmm. obvious when she speaks that she has a clear understanding of her novel she knows mm-hmm. her characters and their decisions and refuses to go against them because there has to be a point mm-hmm. to what she's doing in the first place. And so she takes it as like an absolute truth to her own like reality. Yeah. She's just as interesting as, as Harold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, she has to be one of my favorites too. And I guess sometimes I can kind of like, it's good to have like step out and have like a visual like help of something, like especially with the accidents. I actually really like those scenes. I mean, I know that they're extremely disturbing, but it, I don't know, I feel like visually, visualization, I guess, right. what helps. Like and, we both struggled with that word. I know, so yeah, man, it's hard. Yeah, so I feel like something like that can definitely help me kind of um, take a step and like kind of just step out and think of how to write it by seeing it or by kind of experiencing something in that, I don't know. But like, 
for for instance, I have this idea of a book that I've been dying to write and I wish I could someday is about my friends. And sometimes being around my friends and hearing them talk and hearing how they talk, what, what they say and what they're going through still really helps me kind of bring me back to where the timeline of, or I guess the time period where I want to write our right, friends right, about. Right, of course, yeah. So being around them kind of brings me back to that. And of course, having time off <laughs> is also another thing because I've noticed I write when I don't have to work or don't have to do anything. Right, of course. I mean, that's just natural because you have the time time off to do what you need to do. So yeah, I know. I'm the same. That's why I'm happy it's summer. I get time to do some writing and mm-hmm. maybe finally finish the first movie I've written in a long time. Um <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, I also really enjoyed her sense of like uh, craftsmanship to a certain degree mm-hmm. because she goes through the process of what it means to write a book, mm-hmm. and um, not to get to the not to get to the revelation of her being like him and her being to like understanding that mm-hmm. they're both real, but um, writer's block's a thing, man. Oh man, it is a very mm-hmm. real annoyance to deal with as a writer i'm not saying i'm a great writer but mm-hmm. writer's block is a very effective way to get you to stop anything that you're doing even if like it can be going so well mm-hmm. and then you just lose the entire story in one day yeah. you, one day becomes all right tomorrow and then tomorrow comes next week and then two years go by and you haven't touched something like it's just, it just part of the process it's mm-hmm. very unfortunate yeah um so i like that they covered her in that way and i also kind of liked her um Oh, what was she saying? She was talking about um, how any random event can lead to something taking place within a novel. You talked about visualization of mm-hmm. it all. Sometimes the best writing does come from something out of nowhere happening to you, like right. in real life. Mm-hmm. And then you're just inspired to go, oh my God, that's the scene. That, yeah. That's what I needed. I was missing, I saw this paper go by me and now I know. I saw this apple fall and roll yeah. over the way it did and now I know and understand where I can write the scene and how it can end. And, mm-hmm. and it just comes from being the smallest strange inspirations of yeah. things. You talked about being among your friends. Like I have to live in a mindset when I write the one I'm working on right. currently. Mm-hmm. I have to live in 2008 and 9. Mm-hmm. Which means I have to go back to when I'm 16 mentally and gross because <laughs> weird. That's a um, different time. It's a different time. It's a different me. Um and even when I'm not doing that, just the idea of forcing yourself to live these characters, because you want to have a character that you care about. You have to craft someone that the audience is willing to empathize or sympathize with, if that's the route you're going, mm-hmm. and push towards a story that tells their end of it all. What do they get? What is someone going to get out of seeing your character be the way they are? And, oh, yeah. And and I love the craftsmanship element of this movie in that mm-hmm. regard. Damn, that's so true. Um, and it's crazy, you know, that she hadn't written a book in fucking 10 years. That was the part I was like, whoa, she's George R. R. Martin. But like, <laughs> not as bad. <laughs> not as bad. He's never going to finish, guys. Oh, that, I mean, I was going to bring I'm, him. I'm never going to read it again anyway. <laughs> I was going to bring him up, but I thought, mm, better not. But, you know, he had to at some point. Um, so who would you say overall is your favorite character? Would it be Will Ferrell or would it be, would it be Harold or would it be someone else? Mm, I'm going to just say Harold because I think I cared the most about him. Yeah. Uh, and that's the point, right? You're supposed to care about Harold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like really effective acting on Will Ferrell's part. Like at, like at the, like not to give the ending away, but whenever he starts to cry near the end of the, the movie, whenever he yeah reads what the fate of his is going to be. It is. Well, before he reads it, whenever he's talking to Dustin Hoffman, like he's like really crying. 
Yeah. And again, I said this before, and when I saw the Lego movie, he Will Ferrell has this ability to kind of like really hit sadness to a certain degree within this character, even mm-hmm. though you would never expect him to be able to do that. Kind of like Adam Sandler. Yeah, because like even in Lego Movie, like which is one of my favorite scenes, whenever he yeah, like yeah. you you find out he's the dad and that he's the one that's the villain in this movie the whole time, and mm-hmm. like he has that moment of clarity, like I am what my son hates about everything when it comes to his toys oh. and that's bad like that's yeah. not good and it's really well done on his end and he, yeah. he p- perfectly portrays it as like a a father who was just trying to enjoy his time with his son and now here in stranger than fiction literally like almost 10 years earlier mm-hmm. he's he's doing it here too it's crazy right? there's something about comedy actors who can portray sadness in different ways because mm-hmm. i mean robin williams and goodwill hunting like oh yeah man Mm-hmm. I think, oh God, I love that movie. I can yeah, watch it all day. I know. Yeah, that's um, a good one. But the way comedy actors, are, and I think it's like a testament of like how good is a comedy actor mm-hmm. whenever it comes to to drama. Can they pull off the the seriousness? And a lot of them surprisingly can. Yeah, and I think but there's some of, can't. There's, there's some that can't. There's some that can't. Yeah, there's yeah. there's some where I still see them being. Yeah, comedic. you can. And you know, in this, you know, you can see like some of Will Ferrell's things, like his his yelling, his shouting. You know, right? He did at the beginning specifically. Yeah, and then so you see those like kind of comedic little tendencies, I guess that they that you after seeing them for so many years, you kind of see and are familiar with. But like um, his straight face, like no like facial, right? Yeah, he kind of did that well. Yeah, he has a very good stone face, just like Mm -hmm. very just there, very stoic, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he has that well. And I think that's what really adds to Harold because he's supposed to live this very almost like insignificant small life, mm-hmm. and and the the story introduces him that way. Yeah, and I just love that that it's it's a character, it, it's mm-hmm. a real character, and I love that that's how you develop him there. Um, I have to say though, like when it comes to comedic actors doing drama drama roles, yeah, Jim Carrey, Eternal Sunshine, oh dear God, like Truman Show too, Truman Show as well, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, it's been a long time. Like I said, see again if you when you rewatch that movie and see his performance, it's just it's just mind blowing because right. he has. There's a few particular scenes I'm thinking of that, man, you would appreciate that movie way more. Probably more now as an adult. Uh, just like don't go work out tomorrow. Just watch the movie tomorrow. To me, you know, I have to work out twice tomorrow. Um, oh God. To me, the the. His his crying in this movie, Will Ferrell, whenever mm-hmm. he finds out like I'm gonna have to die for yeah. the story to end perfectly, it's it's very much akin to again I'm bring up Eternal Sunshine, whenever there's there at the end of the dream, mm-hmm. and she's like, so what are you gonna do now? And just enjoy it, mm-hmm. like acceptance, like acceptance. And I think there's a sense of comedy that's able to pull it off for some reason so well mm-hmm. if if they're good from comedic to drama. Yeah, man, that's so true. And like. You know, even when he tells her, like, you need to write it. You need to do this book. Like, right. it has, it's so impactful. And I think that's kind of what, like, I didn't write a whole lot of quotes down. I guess we can go into that. I don't know if you have quite a bit um, that you noted, but I, I definitely towards the end when I know a lot of the dialogue is great. But basically, I think that's right here, actually. Um, so... You didn't change the book, and how come? Because he's real? Because it's a book about a man who doesn't know he's about to die and then dies. But if the man dies, does he know he's going to die and dies anyway, dies willingly, knowing he could stop it? Then, I mean, isn't that the type of man you want to keep alive? Like that 
man right there. Right, because he's a good man. Yeah. And, and you, you don't kill good men like that. Yeah. And, and I like that. I, mm-hmm. I thought that, that was pretty well. I have a couple of them. Like, I put down the number statistics. I don't know why at the beginning, whenever he's counting. <laughs> like, that's what I was asking. What, how many, what number was it again? Mm-hmm. Um, I laughed at his schedule being about 11, 13. That can never be me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of me, though. I have to leave here by 6.45. Between 6.45 and 651 to make it at a decent time to work. It's crazy. The this was a small like purposely done and I laugh and you're like what and like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um at the beginning of the movie when he's looking at the newspaper, it's not even a quote but I'm going to count it as a quote. If you look at the ad, oh not when he's looking when the other woman's looking at the newspaper and it's mm-hmm. like looking for things and she circles like an ad and it's like oh, uh yeah, yeah. typist mm-hmm. needed. Uh it says experienced typist uh needed. The word experience is misspelled. Oh my God, how ironic. It's perfect. It's for perfect. An ad. Yeah, it, it's just greatness for an ad. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. I have a couple. Mm-hmm. Anytime, like when she's like a dear imperialist swine. Oh, her letter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, there's a lot of these that like work really well. I actually wrote down a lot of the quotations, like in quotations this time, because I, I thought it'd be easier. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Oh yeah, the... uh. Sorry, I ogled. Oh, God. Because he, he was definitely looking in there. Oh, yeah. And yeah, honestly, the, the, the whole like uh, likelihood of assassination on a scale of one through 10, one being not at all and 10 being that you're looking around you every two seconds. <laughs> like that, that's good. That, that's really good. Are you the king of something? <laughs> are you, what are you talking about? Like king of the bowling, the bowling lanes. The king of the lanes? Aren't, like, you, aren't you excited not to be a golem? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's why it was kind of a toss-up for me for character, favorite character-wise. I mean, it's definitely um, Harold. Uh, definitely has a favorite character in the movie. But, you know, Dustin Hoffman's, you know, hit the professor... That's definitely a another big, big one that was definitely a favorite. Oh, also the uh, what is a plot? No, no, he, he's he's like uh, a plot is like when you do something you get co- that that's coincidence. Mm-hmm. Getting a letter is part of the plot. Yeah, yeah. You, your building getting eaten by a um, what you, what was it by a by a bulldozer? Mm-hmm. That's not coincidence. That's that's something else entirely. <laughs> yeah, seriously, did you expect that shit to happen? No, not at all. Like, what did you think of his idea of doing that? Like, don't do anything. It, genius. Yeah, because, it is. Like, isn't that what always happens when you write? Like, <laughs> that's know. literally like the develop. That's like the that's the definition of writer's block. Mm-hmm. One thing that's interesting, and like this is totally out in left field. Before mm-hmm. I get to another quote, I really liked. I thought for a minute that her interjections. And him meeting the writer was actually part of her story for about oh, 45 okay. minutes. That okay. him meeting the author was going to play into it. Because I think that would have made that a very interesting level of fiction. Mm-hmm. That could be something really powerful. Mm-hmm. That like the character interacts with the writer. Like legitimately, oh, yeah. with, even within the novel. I thought that was part yeah. of it. And then they became one. I'm like, okay, it's not. Not at all. Which is something I was going to ask you. Because when she rewrites the book, which obviously she has to change stuff because she changed the ending. It's like, do you think she wrote it that way to where the narrator meets the author? I think so. and I, I think, think she has to. And I think that would honestly change the entire makeup of the novel mm-hmm. to something else entirely different. Mm-hmm. So it does match up and it makes a very clear story Yeah, yeah. that honestly is pretty groundbreaking in that regard to a certain mm-hmm. degree there. I mean, she wouldn't be the first author to interject herself into a story. Mm-hmm. Stephen King did that 
a long time ago. Nice. Yeah, he even like put like his like when he got into a car accident Mm -hmm. and how like this his character could have prevented if he went back in time at the right time. Sorry, Stephen King. Oh dear God. I talked about his addiction. Uh, that's in the Dark Tower series, by the way. Oh wow. Um, which is like his his uh, opus. Mm. But yeah, like I think she has to introduce herself in here at some point or another. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the other uh, lines I have was the quality of pancakes. Oh, God. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. There's something about pancakes in movies I just always like when they bring them up. Or uh, you're never too old for space camp. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I oh. know. I like that random uh, Tony Hale in it. The, I like the, that. This, this pun was Buster, man. Uh, I know. Um, <laughs> the pun on, it's, it's more of a scene, but the pun yeah, on, yeah. Uh, what, what are you doing here? I brought you flowers oh i was wondering that that killed me i thought that was genius I, it's th- so good i laughed at that i was like that is probably the most cutest pun i've ever seen in my entire life <sighs> it's great and i've i've shared that quote before like on instagram and it's like a it's been a favorite of mine forever not just because i love flowers but i love the play on it and it's actually quite romantic that scene and uh i, I think it was very romantic too actually yeah. like very um the when he's going over his list and he's mm-hmm. like uh well another flies on my list uh when he's like explaining it oh that's mm-hmm. karen eiffel she's my favorite she has beautiful tragedies oh yeah everyone beautiful. dies it's great and it's just like <laughs> because you know yeah because you know mm-hmm. kind of would have been different if you didn't right Right, like by a long shot. That would have been kind of cool. But I, I do love the way this movie is the, obviously the, I guess the timeline of it, kind of the flow, the transitions work really well. Um, yeah. I was gonna, man, I lost my point too. I think we're just tired. I think it's getting. Th- th- this like, what is it, one o'clock? One twenty-two in the morning podcast? Geez, yeah, this is a late night podcast. Yeah, not that I mind. Like no. I have enough steam and I, hope I know I'm saying um a lot, so please cut that out. And this, <laughs> I'll try my best. It might be. Might be hard. But yeah, in quote wise, there's a whole lot. There's a few that stood out, but those are the ones that stood out to me. And then the whole like, you know, you're staring at my tits. Great. Yeah, I had that line too. Great stuff. Also, I did really want to bring up the graphics in the movie because it's fucking awesome. All the all the graphics of him counting. Oh yeah. Him yeah. calculating. Yeah, you know what it reminded me of? And it, uh-huh. it's such a it's such a random movie to connect to. Okay. It reminded me of uh, Brendan Fraser's Bedazzled. At the opening oh, I scene, love that. which I yeah. gotta love that movie so much. Me not, too. It's not even the best movie ever. Written by, by written by Harold Ramis, though. Yeah, crazy. I, I love that movie. Yeah, and the it's opening nice scene, every it's like shows everybody's thoughts coming out like in mm-hmm. bubbles. It reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, oh, that's that's I didn't I didn't think of that. Yeah, I loved I loved how it worked. All his calculations. It's like you're hearing the narration and you're seeing how his mind works. It's crazy. And it continues to go on throughout the movie. Like yeah, does it doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And the idea, like obviously, I guess, I guess with quotes, it's like amazing how the story starts and then where the, where the story ends and how a, a wristwatch saved Harold Crick's life. Right, and it, it's fucking crazy. And I kind of noticed that wristwatch saving his life too. Like I mm-hmm. noticed that when he gets hit by the bus, like it, the first thing he puts <gasps> out is his yeah. arm, mm-hmm. and I think it's shattered. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I think that's just what makes this movie so brilliant. Is like the tiniest little thing, the simplest thing in your life can have a major effect. Right. Like the whole time, like him changing the time three minutes late has an effect on your entire life. Right. Because he was off in the beginning of it all, and mm-hmm. um, the way he puts his arm out again to defend himself. Um, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is bad, but the way he got hit reminded me a lot of a Wes Anderson movie. Oh God. Because like he just kind of like hits hit, and everyone just is like, "Is he okay?" Oh yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> which, which is very just Wes. Because mm. he does it all the time. Wes-esque. Yeah. Wes-esque. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that down. A um, couple things, I guess, on IMDb that I, I like. And here we are at Alex's IMDb facts. Something, some things I wrote, I kind of wrote down was... Um, so there's like a couple like references of what the title is. And one of them is like a reference to Mark Twain's quote. Why shouldn't truth be fic- stranger than fiction? Fiction, after all, has to make sense. Correct. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, so what is that from? I'm not familiar I with that. I don't remember where it's from. I've just heard the Mark Twain quote itself because I've used it in the class once or twice, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I like Mark Twain a lot, so. Mm-hmm. And then it says the novel which Karen Eiffel is writing, Death in Taxes, not Texas. This is a reference <laughs> to the famous quote, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Written by Benjamin Franklin in a 1789 letter addressed to Jean Baptiste Leroy, I guess. Interesting. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that was like a uh, Ben Franklin thing. Uh, Franklin was actually quite philosophical in a lot of his oh, writing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he has his uh, his almanac and everything that he lived by that he basically tells a story and whatnot. He was a very well-documented individual when it comes to literature. I've actually used him before in class as well. Oh, wow. Uh, even up to this last year with my AP language class. So mm-hmm. uh, he's he wrote a lot. He has just basically decades of journals put into stories. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, he was kind of sleaze. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of them were, but I don't look at it that way because then you just realize that everybody's not very yeah, good at I things. I mean, it was a completely different time, so you can't really. Yeah, we're talking like, I'm not going to cancel Ben Franklin in 2021, okay? Yeah, no, you can yeah. So one, one that really stood out is while filming, Will Ferrell wore an earpiece that fed him um, you know, Emma Thompson's narrative lines in order to assist the other cast members in reacting more naturally to Farrell's seemingly non sequitur lines. Sequitur? Sequitur. It's uh sequitur. Sequitur. I cannot read. Yeah, Just letting you know. You know. Sequitur's I know that one because uh mm-hmm. I've had to hear Josh Kavasa's do non sequitur one more time in my life and okay. I listen to it too much. <laughs> See, that's where I know the word from is because of your description of that. Because I'm not I'm not uh, you tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and even how I had struggled last time with macabre. Ugh, it's been. I love that word. I see. Okay, I don't know. You are your your word like vocabulary is very but strong, while mine is very very plain. And I I don't really kind of go into it. I have to look up words. And when I'm writing, hey, what's a different word for this? That's kind of how it I works. do that too. So don't feel bad. Okay, yeah. Okay, that makes me feel a little better. Um, but yeah, there was those those were the really main. That facts. was one of the suggestions Queen Latifah made. To uh, Emma Thompson's character. Oh yeah, Did she had some in... good. She had some good. I know. You know I was things. like, man, should I do that too? <laughs> like poems, words, yeah, for sure. Can you believe some people write a story every day? Can you believe that? That that's a thing. Some writers do I that. Not think they, they write can. a short story every day. But like, do they have other jobs? <laughs> They're just authors. <laughs> okay. Because they can do it that easily. God damn. Like uh, I don't know if it was Chuck Palahniuk or it was I think it's Brad Easton Ellis. Brad mm-hmm. Easton Ellis. Who like openly talks how he tries to write one short story a day? Wow! And I'm just like, how? I don't get it. How, how long is that short story? Exactly. Like, that's is. insane to me. Like mm-hmm. some people literally sit there and write something. It's it's like people who do like the Inktober mm-hmm. for art, where they draw a new picture every day. That's oh wow, I've never heard that. That's hard, man. Oh god! Like that every day hard. to draw something new. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do that. 
Yeah. I don't know if I could write every day. Like, not like that. That, that'd be complicated. That's a lot of, like, really cool mini stories. You probably flush into full ideas later, most likely. Seriously, yeah. Which maybe is kind of the reason why. Right, just to kind of get your mind going. I don't know. I, I don't I mean, I remember having to write every day in college, and I cannot believe some of the shit I came up with in playwriting, and it's like, I cannot come up with stuff now. Yeah, I... I our final was really dumb for that class. Mm-hmm. It was like two hours, write a play, write a screenplay. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, I remember that. <laughs> mine was uh, Seinfeld, basically. Oh, God, really? Like, it wasn't, but it was. It mm-hmm. was uh, a guy had to dog sit for this girl he's been dating, and he takes his best friend with him, and while they're there, they learn a lot about their each other's lives, and then the dog is found dead, and then they find out they went to the wrong house the entire time they weren't even at her house no they went one house over and the door was open and they make they oh actually right, the dog was not dead they go to the house that's the kicker uh they go to this house thinking it's his girlfriend's house yeah, he's never yeah. actually been there and then they're not there and they open the door and it's the actual owner of the house who faints and they think she's dead and they're freaking out and so they have to call the cops. This is good. Yeah, it's like, it's wh- so dumb. <laughs> and then the the kicker is his girlfriend comes back home and her dog is dead. <gasps> okay, that's dark. But damn, you should write that. That's so funny. That's it's crazy. It's so dumb. The ending is so dumb because mm-hmm. he ends up like, the, who's basically George, the main character, ends yeah. up with uh, the woman who passed out because he felt sorry. And he mm-hmm. talked to her. He's like, yeah, we're going on a date next week. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> great, though. Man, I think it's because I've watched Seinfeld like all day, every day. It, 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 it was Seinfeld. You know? it, it's, yeah. it's super seinfeld It is. But it's great, though. I mean, that's the thing about Seinfeld is every episode is like a different thing. And it's like a different situation. But it's great. Like, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's formed well like a play. And that's, that's probably why I also love Frasier so much. If too. I ever find it, I'll show it to you. It's so dumb. Dude, that's cool. That's way better than mine. I think I wrote about... I was so inspired by the song, the Pina Colada song. The idea, really? I know, the idea that he's like, hey, I, I want to meet someone else because like you kind of suck as my wife. So I'm going to put out an ad and, you know, if you like Pina Coladas and get caught in the rain, whatever. And so I kind of based it on that in the sense that he goes to this karaoke bar to sing that song to meet a certain someone. It was so stupid. I was the last one in the room writing this damn Same, though. I, I finished with like two minutes left. <laughs> Seriously. I, you take that time. I ran dude. out of paper. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I guess going into favorite scenes. There's a lot, I think, There's here. There's a lot. And we're already like an hour in. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. I let's try care. to go. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Um, favorite scenes. I'm going to definitely go with the romantic scene. Like mm-hmm. by a long shot with Anna Pascal whenever they're mm-hmm. the, the the flower scene. Like okay. that whole thing, going to her apartment. Going kind of to her stuff. apartment, which yeah, by yeah. the way, when she's like, Do you want to come up? I'm like, No thanks, I don't drink coffee. It <laughs> keeps me up at night. Oh god. It's just George. Jesus. <laughs> I said this to her. Uh-huh. Oh God. <laughs> um, uh huh. That that's definitely one of my scenes. I thought it was just really beautifully shot and put together from mm-hmm. beginning to end with the flowers to the way they speak to each other and just the whole interaction is just perfect. Mm-hmm. I know this this whole film is actually really beautifully shot, um, mainly because you have to bring those graphics in. But like like one of the craziest shots to me is the the camera inside his mouth as he's brushing his teeth. Right. Yeah. That's another one. The shower head. Like there's just like little details that kind of stand out. And I guess I pick up more on it as I watch it over and over again. And I know you said you like that scene too, right? The that romance that romance scene, that first real one with them. Mm-hmm. You said that you liked that scene as well, right? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a good scene. When he meets Dustin Hoffman, another big favorite. Yeah, that, that's a really good scene. Yeah. This is the whole conversation. I, I, I love the scene when, again, I brought up a few times where he asked him the 23 questions on like trying to figure out where they're at and pinpoint it. Yeah, yeah. Like literature wise. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one of my favorite scenes without a doubt is whenever he goes back to her bakery the second time. And mm-hmm. he's keeping track of the yeah. the comedy and the mm-hmm. tragedy aspect of it all. And every time he strikes out, it's tragedy. Yeah. It, it's hilarious. And then also just because, like, the way she screws with him, like, where she, like, keeps the box, like, totally Mis- dis- dis- disheveled and destroyed yeah. before mm-hmm. putting it together. And, and I think actually it's the one, and again, I'm taking over the conversation here, the general scene where she talks about like it's been a long day like i know it's been a long day yeah. i did this to you sit yeah. down and eat the cookie kind of shitty he didn't take him right it sucked but i think that's part of like that's him being so straight laced and used to this lifestyle where everything is potentially a problem it's a calculation you're taking oh, an emotionless yeah. man and making him have feelings in this yeah, movie yeah Mm-hmm. Because he himself is just used to these mathematical solutions to issues without having actual emotions attached to anything, which is mm-hmm. really common in academia, I think. And even in like, especially like at a job, if it's like not menial, but like it's so easy to become married to your job. You forget what it's like to interact outside in the real world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fuck. Yeah, that's so true. Which you just have to be careful with. Right. By the way, know? that was my best line the entire podcast. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I've seen this movie so many times I didn't take notes. But um, definitely, um, I mean, the tragedy comedy scene is great. Uh, but I, I don't know why I love the whole like being at your apartment, not doing anything. You can't change the channel. You can't answer the phone. You have to pee there, I guess. Yeah, And, and, and it looked like the author was going to make mm-hmm. like purposeful push the plot forward with either the bulldozer or even just like the mail coming in. Like imagine if he had gotten up to get it, like he was going to die. Like it was almost like a, yeah. like, like playing and teasing at <laughs> the idea in the mm-hmm. first place there. Uh, yeah. D- just to sidetrack real quick. Uh-huh. Did you get hungry watching her, hearing her describe the different foods? Cause like Jesus Christ. I needed some sweets and it, we were watching it late at night. That's, that's and, I, and I was sweet. just like, I'm on a diet now. I can't do this. <laughs> I want it though. When she said peanut butter bars, that was enough because yeah. I love or ricotta cheese and apricot croissants because I wrote that down exactly or mocha bar with almond glaze. Uh, even the way she was making the the warm cookies, I was like, fuck, that sounds really good right now. Um, another favorite scene that I really liked is, um, ah, okay. So basically when he's on the hunt for her at this point, right. when he finds out who it is, goes to the publisher, <laughs> I, I'm her brother. <laughs> I'm married to her brother. He seems like such a crazed fan. Like, total, like, psychopath on Twitter fan. <laughs> I liked how he delivered it, too. It wasn't, it wasn't like, Will Ferrell's normal shit. It was, it was funny. And then, you know, running to the payphones and then calling her. The phone rang. The phone rang again. The phone rang a third time. And then I absolutely love when she meets him and the way she reacts to it. Because it's see, literally seeing him come to life, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine some of my characters yeah. coming to life too. I mean, I ended up teaching a laugh. I ended up teaching half my characters that came to life. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I do see them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, no, one of the things that really stuck out to me, actually similar to that scene, is whenever he goes to Hilbert's office. No, no, not Hilbert. It's, it's whenever she's talking to. My bad. I'm already messing up. When he's talking to to Karen, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, I've been talking to this uh, this Professor Hilbert." And she's like, Jules Hilbert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he loves your writing. I love his letters. Oh yeah, I know. Like right. like there was like there was already like connection there. Yeah, yeah. 
So, man. And then when she had, when he has a small scene that I, it's such a small scene when they're playing the synthy music in the background and he's just like waiting for Hilbert to read the story to tell him what to do with his life at that point. I love that. I loved that scene because mm-hmm. he's just kind of like laying and waiting for the fate to happen to him while that music's playing in the background. And he, he drops one of my other favorite lines. The hero has to die, but the story lives on forever. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, I noticed typing at that part. Which I don't believe at all, by the way. <laughs> I, I think that's total cop out. <laughs> mm. Which is funny because he would he, he kind of gives you the sense that the cop out is what she ended up writing. Right, yeah. He's like, that's hey, not the greatest piece it's of okay. groundbreaking literature. It's okay. Uh, but she recognizes that that's, that's all she needed. Yeah. Like, she's not writing. I mean, she's already an acclaimed author. Now she's just trying to write a book and... I think this happens a lot. It's kind of like what happens with a lot of these high art films. Like, I think you lose a sense of humanity at times when you try to make something with this purposely bad ending because you kind of lose what makes them special in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or you become so ingratiated in having to make a film that fits a certain standard, you kind of forget that you're not trying to appeal to like an audience of like super intellectually sophisticated people you're trying to appeal to a common denominator a mainstream mm-hmm. audience i'm not trying to say everything should be for the mainstream but a good combination of both her idea for the film was or for the book was going to be fantastic no matter what she did yeah, yeah. and now just putting it out there for mass consumption it will be should suffice academia and for um the actual general population i think that's the hardship of being a writer it's almost why like a lot of people probably don't like to write ya because you're almost Yo, like typecast yeah. oh you write YA you write garbage like only only Mama. only bad writers write that and it's just like that's not true no. there's so many good YA writers who develop interesting plot points and mm-hmm. really it's made for mass consumption that way people can understand where it's coming from exactly and and, and you know that you know that audience is really important to it's have an impact. It's very important. On. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it pushes them to like understand why they can do certain actions, and yeah, a lot yeah. of these ones get made into movies because they're meant for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these high art novels never get turned into anything <laughs> because yeah. no one's gonna watch that. Yeah, like even literary classics, which I love. There's a they were never meant for like three people. They were meant for everybody to read. Because you make it for your audience. It's yeah, not yeah. just for you. You know, they may come off various things. Mary Shelley wrote Ferguson as a dare mm-hmm. to write the scariest story amongst Percy Bysshe Shelley and Lord Byron mm-hmm. of the three of them. They had like a little friend group. I mean, Shelley was, uh, Percy was not a good guy, but like mm-hmm. she wrote it as like a dare to oh, wow. scare people. Mm-hmm. And she used her real life experience as a mother to do so. Like that's fucking crazy, and and that's why she wrote it that way. Mm-hmm. And like, imagine if she just wrote, "Well, I'm just gonna write it for my three friends." She ended up taking it further. Obviously, uh, Jane Austen wrote lots of novels. Emma, Sense and Sensibility, because she thought like the high class lifestyle was utterly ridiculous mm-hmm. and dumb. So I'm gonna make fun of it as much as I can. I'm also gonna take direct shots at Charlotte Bronte because she's so prissy. Damn, like, I like it, it's there. You write for your audience. You don't write for the sense of let me just entertain these three people who are super high class who will love my art. It's mm. it, there's you, you lose. I think the idea and you become more pretentious that way. Ooh, a- yeah. And I feel like if she would have kept the ending, yeah, it would have been a better story probably. But you also lose the people who would enjoy it the most. Man, that's a great way to put that for sure. And I learned something new. Did not know any of that shit. I have tons of stuff like that. <laughs> that that's just me. I'm sure I could still learn a lot from your class if I were to attend. But yeah, so was there any other scenes? 
Let me see here. I have mm-hmm. a list here. Um, I'm trying to think of some as myself, but I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think, but I think that's kind of the gist of it. it to me, I just look at it like, to go back to my previous point, look at the Five Days of Summer movie that you and I both mm-hmm. love, love a lot. Imagine if it just ended with the bench scene. Okay. Would you have been satisfied with that ending? No. No. Why? Well, I mean, I guess you see the closure. Right. But there's really no closure on Tom, I guess. Right. You see it. You see the, their relationship as a closure, but you don't really see his character develop towards the end. Like, I guess kind of move on. I mean, he, he gets that because that's technically day 500, you know, but... You're, you, I just don't. I feel like it wouldn't. It would leave a bad taste in my mouth. Which, by the way, o- obvious shout out to Tom. Is, uh, Summer is not the only villain in that movie because uh, they both are. Uh, I, t- I just had to get <laughs> that out there. Seriously, they, they both are um, mm-hmm. by a long shot. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like it's not a satisfying ending. We just end at the bench. Like you've got to have the little bit of extra. Yeah. yeah. For the, everyone else to end. Not saying you have to always end well because that's not a case. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some bittersweet endings that are immaculate and i would never change anything about him but in a movie like that look who you're writing for yeah look who you're writing for it all depends on who you're writing for uh but other favorite scenes i would say i actually i really like the scene where he saves a kid i know it's like tragic and everything but it's really well and i talked previously about the scene wherever um he's in dustin hoffman's office and he's like you have to die yeah. And he's just bawling. Mm-hmm. God, that scene is like I know I brought it up already, but that scene is so good. Like mm-hmm. the, the this the genuine like I I can't die. Like this is this is bad timing, and it's really good acting. Mm-hmm. Surprising, like, yeah. Right? Like the, I'll quit my job. I'll go with Anna. Like I'll, and yeah. like you just hear the cracks in his voice. It's yeah. really well acted. Which you have, you don't see a lot because right. he's so emotionless, like a lot, a lot of the time. Which again more breaks from that character and shows his development as a human being inside this piece. Mm-hmm. You tell the story if if she and, and it's funny because she brings it up too. If she tells the story of a man who doesn't know he's gonna die, oh knows he's gonna die, and then he goes through the whole thing to prevent himself from dying and then dies anyway, what did he gain? Yeah. What's the point of the piece? Mm-hmm. Who are you writing this for? Who's gonna be satisfied with him? Learning to live his life and then die from it. Ugh, I know, right? That's like that's a cop out. It is. That's the cop out. <laughs> that's so funny how you put it. That there's way. nothing. It's, there, yeah. There's nothing wrong with predictability mm-hmm. if it's done correctly. Yeah, because the way she did it was brilliant. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was in, it was just brilliant the whole time. And the watch was the important factor in your whole life that changed your whole life. I don't know. That's that's so true. But that, yeah. I'm glad you liked this movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think it had, I don't know. I guess, do you have any other final thoughts before we kind of wrap up? Um, Anything else you want to bring up? Let's see here. I don't think I have much. Uh, mm-hmm. Bavarian cookies sound good, Um, which is the last line. Oh, I, lo- I loved that too. Um, I like, love I, I loved the ending in general where she describes like all the little, little things, like the little anomalies, which is one of my favorite words. Mm-hmm. The accessories are part of like a noble cause. Like that's oh, yeah, that's good, great. great line. Like I said, the dialogue in here was really well said. The just the like I love how whenever he gets hit, his apple goes flying, mm-hmm. and, and it's the same angle as when she saw the kid drop the apple early on the yeah. street. I guess that's something I I keep forgetting to ask you about. Like as this movie was kind of flowing along, did you obviously get the hint that the woman looking for a job and the boy in the bike is going to have to deal with his death? Yeah. Okay, I did not. 
and, and I, I only got it because it's funny. I got it at the end. Okay. When I first you got kind of forget about them. Yeah. And I think it, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, because you see them at the beginning. Yes. Especially because they keep flashing back to it ever, yes. ever, ever so slightly, and then like you see it throughout the piece. So that's like developing those side characters have to see it mm-hmm. and and their reaction to it all. Um, so good job on on the uh, on the writer's part to like bring everything back together because even whenever Emma Thompson's like gonna throw herself from the top of the roof or mm-hmm. when she's studying it, like the kid on the bike below is what you see. Yeah. Which is the first sign next time, like oh man, they were always connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. And I was wondering how quickly you would pay attention to right. that because I I knew you would probably pick it up really much 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 faster than anyone else, but. I don't know. That was something I thought was kind of cool too. I forgot to bring up because yeah. I think it's really brilliant. Yeah, it's it's really honestly, it's just this is a really good movie. Like in pretty much every way possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine. I'm happy you showed it to me. That's, that's, I'll, say, I'll say that much uh, without giving cool, away without giving away my answers to the questions. Like I always yeah. do an accident. Even talking about who directed this movie, his shit is like yeah, Mark Forster. Damn. Yeah, it's kind of random. You make Quantum of Solace, which is interesting in movie. It's a movie that struggled from writing because it wasn't written all the way, and this is a movie about writing. That's crazy. Uh, World War Z, which is a really solid Brad Pitt movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Monsters Ball, which is a very dark film, like in that's every what I've way heard. possible. It's Never a good movie. It. It's mm-hmm. very good, but there's some heavy stuff in there. Damn, that's what I've heard. And he I made Christopher it. Robin. Oh yeah, the, which is yeah, like a super recent. lighthearted family movie. What the fuck, right? This guy's all over the place. You know, I forgot the name of the director, but uh, I forgot who it was, and I know this because Eli Roth. Thank you, Eli mm-hmm. Roth. Um, it this so the guy who made the first ever uh, holiday slasher film, Black Christmas. Okay, yeah, which is like something else. Went on to direct the first teen sex comedy in Porky's. Whoa! And then in his later life, went on to produce. The first big mainstream family Christmas movie, A Christmas Story. <laughs> yeah. Talk about being. Talk about fucking range. All over the place. Damn, there's quite a few people like that, and it right. Fucking, yeah, it's it freaks crazy. me out. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of su- it's surprising in a good way, though. I yeah, think that's yeah, why I, I was. Agree. I thought it was cool that he did all these kinds of shit, and this movie is randomly thrown in his fucking like, you know, works of art. And, like, and good on Will, because this, this is a good movie to have in like his list, of his filmography as an yeah, actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. It really is. I kind of hope that people like talk about it in his like, you know, I guess legacy and filmmaking because it's 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 a good it's a good movie to bring up. And you could tell it's a higher class. Like I'm not trying to say like I like 20 guys went on a rant about the high class earlier, mm-hmm. but you could tell what's like meant to be taken as a very serious like big indie movie with yeah, the casting yeah. in it. Emma Thompson, Maggie Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman, very prominent actors, yeah, yeah. and Will Ferrell to help like build the story along. He 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 lives up to his character mm-hmm. and has just as good a job on screen as they do. Mm-hmm. And that's saying a lot considering the Oscars on that table. Seriously. I mean, do you think that it was kind of early in its time a little bit? I think so to a certain degree, yeah. I feel like it's kind of more appreciative nowadays. It should and- be. It's definitely a movie I think if you're a writer, you have to watch to enjoy and understand the madness that is your own mm-hmm. challenges as a writer. Because we all face things when we write. Like, yeah, that's just what we do. We have our own methods to solve them. Sometimes we get inspired. Sometimes Lauren shows me a movie and I write really well for like a week and then I stop. There you go. Like, I think we all have our own headspace we have to be in when we write. Yeah. You have to have the right music playing. You have to have the right moment of the song. You have to have traditions that you build into your writing for some reason. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. I've had that happen before too. 
man, I'm glad I showed you this movie because I feel like you needed to finish. You definitely gonna need the summer to finish the movie. Don't remind me. Yeah, I know. But okay, so let's go into some final thoughts. Okay, so would you buy this movie? I would. You would? I'm prime. I do. Okay, yeah, I I do own a copy of it. It was like in the five dollar bin, so I had right. to have it. I think that's kind for of for that cheap. Goes. I'd buy it. Yeah, yeah, same. And that's probably why I bought it because I mean I really love this movie. Um, would you recommend this to someone else? Yeah, for sure. Probably gonna recommend. I have two friends I'd recommend it to. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this movie's. I'm glad, and I'm so happy the re- recommendation I did because I'm I'm surprised that people really liked it. Another one is Larry Crown. That's another one Never I'm trying to it. get Eric's mom to watch because I know she'd love it. Mm. Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Um. Okay. So, would you watch this again? Was this a rewatchable? I would. For you? I would watch it again for sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I. I. I'd, I think as a writer, it's one of those things you can go back to, like if you feel lost. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. Didn't think about it that way. Um, let's see. So, would you? I mean, I I don't know about seeing it in theaters. I don't think you have to. I don't necessarily think. I don't it's think for... you have to. But if I get to go to Draft House and they have a menu with those cookies and those items on it, <laughs> you bet your ass I'll be there to eat yeah. some of that stuff. I really wish it was big enough to do that. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. like some of those descriptions of that food was like heavenly. Yeah. Oh man, this I is this is a good goods. writer's movie. Yeah, good good like writer's retreat movie with a lot of baked goods. Seriously. Um, okay, so are you glad you saw this movie? Yeah, yeah, I think I am. I think it was a a good way to kick off the summer, considering what I'm going to be embarking on and yeah. trying to finish this damn movie I've been working on. This wasn't planned. I literally didn't plan it. Well, yeah, it, like it, a, it, just, it just came up. It just came up. Wow. Which is, remember what Emma Thompson says, Mm -hmm. sometimes the best ideas come from just inspiration. Yep. There you go. Now, did you really make it this far into the podcast? I don't know if I believe you, but if you did, thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at Never Seen It Texas. That's S-C-E-N-E and then T-X. And give us your feedback or maybe even a phone recommendation. We may not watch it. I want to thank Steven for joining me today. And I want to give a huge shout out to our technical producer, Rami Garza, and our social media coordinator slash stage manager, Alejandra Garza, for making this podcast possible. All right, y'all. Well, until next time, aren't you glad you're not a golem? Right. And so when we talk, we're not going to like cross paths, right? We're going to be good. No. And if we do cross paths, it's not a bad thing. Jeez, you have such a like better decibel range than i do i had to like push to get to yellow and it's kind of embarrassing i don't know what it is i don't know i think i just talked really low like usually i hear that about me i talk am i a low talker okay i'm back to okay i'm fine now yeah i think i'm just trying to like for some reason keep i think sometimes it goes quiet because sometimes i'll have to do that when i'm editing i'll have to pick your voice up a little bit i wonder why i do that with everybody though it's not i don't know what it is about me i don't talk a lot i mean maybe i do talk loud because I've had Eric shush me before. I don't. I can talk loud. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I know. I'm a coach. <laughs> <laughs>